because I was I was sensing God's love so strong, really strong. It was just and and I then I heard and I was there. I heard a voice, Todd. When I was sitting there, I heard a voice, and he spoke to me, not just in English. He spoke to me in Cree, and I said, "That was you. That was you." I knew, I knew right away because it was in the car, 99, when I heard that voice before, told me to put the seatbelt on before the accident. That was you, I said. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. Friends, make sure you're following us along on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC, and like and subscribe to the podcast, and please leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Disciple of City exists to encourage and equip Christians to share the gospel. And if you have a story that you would like to share, you can do so on the United Hive app. Testimonies, prayer, healing, salvations, and deliverance. You can share all of those on the United Hive app. You can even post a picture or video of your encounter. Download United Hive app today. My guest today originally hails from Pine House Lake in northern Saskatchewan. He's currently living in Martinsville and is the founder of Inspire Fire Ministries. Please welcome Wade Sanderson. Hey, my friend. Hi. How are you? Good. Welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm glad that you invited me to come. Yeah, and it's good to see you. Uh, We briefly connected at the Come Together event in uh, Saskatoon last June, but uh, didn't really, in the busyness of it all, didn't really get to have a good deep chat, so I'm glad to have this opportunity with you today. Yeah, for sure. There was a lot of people that I wanted to visit, and uh, yeah, there were so many, And uh, but it's good that we got to touch base, and here we are. Yeah. So, um, Wade, Pine House, Pine House Lake, I looked at that on the map. That is a massive, massive lake. Tell, tell us, yeah. uh, we, we have people listening in the U.S. and all over, uh, all over the world. Can you tell us a little bit about Pine House Lake and, and what that looks like? Yeah, Pine House Lake is uh, about five hours uh, straight north from uh, Saskatoon. Uh, I was born and raised there. There's about 1,600 uh, people. It's a Métis settlement. And, uh, yeah, the Churchill River runs right into Point House Lake. Uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a great – it's an awesome community. Uh, born and raised there. Uh, and, yeah, it's uh, an amazing community. Uh, half of my family live there, and the other ones live in the other communities. Uh, one in Saskatoon and Prince Albert, but yeah. So our, I lived there most of my life. Um, I just moved out of Pine House about six and a half years ago. And uh, prior to that, I was uh, born and raised there, lived there. Uh, yeah. Our community is an amazing community. We've gone through a lot. Uh uh, in our community with, with things and just in life in general, um, like everybody else that is going through the things, but it's an isolated air an isolated community. So living in, in, in the North, it is, it, it does have its challenges. Um, 
Is it uh, is it fly in or is there? Can you drive in there? You can drive in. Yeah, I worked in the medical taxi business, and there's three ways to get into uh, Pine House from Saskatoon to get there if you wanted to get there. It's yeah. So it's uh, it is a you could just drive in. Uh, There's uh, if you go towards Larange, it's 160 kilometers gravel road. If you go towards uh, North Battleford Green Lake area, it's an hour uh, gravel road after. Uh, that road so there's a few ways to get there so yeah there is so what was it like uh faith wise christianity wise what was it like growing up there where was your family christian was there religion there or was it more traditional it was um there was some not much traditional it was more uh catholic uh based uh living there so uh, i'm a first generation christian majority of us uh our, uh, this is our is a first generation uh, Christians that are there now, and uh, that started uh, in two thousand ninety nine. That's when it started in our community. And and would you like w- would they identify with a certain denomination? Like, is it primarily Catholicism or or what is it? Yeah, it was Catholicism before, and then Christianity uh, came into our community. Then, so now, we're, uh, in 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 ninety nine and two thousand, about uh, we're counted about three hundred and eighty people got saved out of the sixteen hundred people. So it was a it was an amazing time. Um, there was a big transition. Everybody, uh, everything, everything came alive in our community, uh, all the way from uh drugs alcohol everything started to change uh at that time because of some of the things that had taken place we started encountering god uh one after the other there was four that started uh, uh before all this took place um my my sister was actually born again before i was um she was born again nine about eight years in 1992 she was born again and uh I don't know if you want me to go into that, but it's like uh, we started experiencing uh, Christianity in about ninety eight, a bit of it. Well, so yeah. Well, just just so before you go into that, um, can you can you just talk about like what? How did Catholicism, say for example, start there? And is that what you were born into? And what what happened with that? Okay. Yeah. Wait. I was. I wasn't. Ever since I was a kid, I was sent to go to, to church. <laughs> uh, that's all we had. We They were all in on, on Catholicism. Um, if I take you back a bit here, just, just a tad, back in the days there was um, missionaries trying to come into our community, but they were taken out because they wanted to bring, to come and share the good news, but they were told to leave. Who, who told them to leave? Yeah, just the community itself, because they have the misunderstanding regarding Christianity and what it was all about. Every time somebody brought Christianity, they were pushed out, because the reason why that was is there was a misunderstanding. In our language, um, It's uh, I'm going to say, this is what they said. It, in my language, they say, Matsai uh, Nigamaog means bad priest. <laughs> it's really, a, it's really, that's, that's the, the, the format that's the title we had uh christianity had before this happened in our community 
that's the title we thought they were. But the, it's ever since that I've known there was um, Catholicism in our community. There was a church. There were like all in, and and it was a positive. It was a positive thing in your community when it did happen. Like yeah, with with the Catholic Church, there it was a positive. Yeah, it had its challenges, but you know there wasn't. People were going to church and people were praying, um, but there wasn't change happening. There was there was church going. There was you know what I mean. There was going through the the, the things that we needed to, but as in really living for the things of God, it's it seems that it. Um, there wasn't any change inside us, basically. That's what I'll tell you. So was there, so was it impacted by like the residential school system or was that in different parts? There, there was, there was a part of us because part of us are indigenous, like full, some of them are Métis and we are like full, full, full on like uh treaty. Right. So it's like, there's, there's about two, three, maybe two, three hundred out of that, and then the rest uh, Métis. So some, ma- majority of the people, including my my parents, were taken out still for a few years um, in 96, uh, 70, 70, in 70, I think. I'm, I'm not sure the exact dates. Um, but my, my parents uh, were taken uh, out of our community as well. Um, going to uh, boarding schools, some were residential, you know what I mean? Some of the schools that were taken out. So that that happened as well. So that played a part in that in, in our community as well. So, yeah. 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 So I was just wondering if because of that, if there was sort of a negative feel towards God because of the things that have happened, yeah, but then, there was, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. There's a, there's a challenge there because, there is a challenge because um because some of the things that had taken place so there's like a it was like a i don't know how to explain it but it was it was it was kind of closed people were closed in you know what i mean and didn't know what to do with some of the things that had happened yeah so it's like we go to church we're sent to church but we didn't know why we were going to church oh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't miss church as a young kid. I was told to go to church, but it didn't change me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I looked at God. I went to the church. I sat there and I said, "Okay, God, where are you?" Like, I was, I was there. Like, is that I seen pictures like of Genesis and a few other things that are in the now that I know the the Bible that I was seeing some of the things, but I didn't know where they were. I was captivated the reason why i used to go to church is to sit there and look at these pictures (laughs) i wasn't getting much so what happened then as you grew and i don't know where you want to take it because we were talking just before we came on but okay you you... Uh, 14 15 16 17 18 i was looking for god i was going to church remember I, uh, i was told to go to church go to church and so i did but it seemed i knew there had to be more but i walked around at night i remember looking at the stars and the clouds and the moon and just asking who put that they're like there has to be something more i said when i was 14 15 very clearly like i was just like there has to be and i'm and i went to every i used to visit elders i used to visit the leaders and i would ask them about 
this God, is there a God like? And I would be told to go to church. And it seemed that I wasn't, I wasn't getting satisfied with uh, that time in my life. And uh, I didn't do drugs and alcohol at this time because I was just going to church, but I was going, um, trying to find what life was all about. Okay. Uh, I made it through, I made it through this whole time looking for God, but till grade 10, see, I live in Pine house in LaRange. I, we had to go to school. There's no grade 11 and grade 12. Okay. So we had to leave our community to go to school. It's not a residential thing or nothing. Yeah. It's just a boarding place where you could go and finish off your education. But I had to leave my community to do that. But I said at grade 10, I was looking and looking and looking. And I said, at the end of grade 10, I said, forget it. There is no God. Okay. And then grade 11, I left to LaRange now to go to school. I went to go and get my education. Now I just said, forget there is no God. And then grade 11 and grade 12, I went to, I went to uh, LaRange, graduated there. And then after my graduation day, that's when I had my first drink. People warned me not to do it, but I did. I didn't listen to anyone. I didn't want to listen to anyone because I told them this is the age I wanted to start once I'm done. I tried once or twice when I was a kid, but I got found out and I got a really good licking from mom. So (laughs) (laughs) that kind of stirred me on the right direction, but I was actually still kept looking for the purpose in life, right? So when in grade 11 and 12, um, there was no even talking about God, but in grade, so I, I went, I went on the drinking scene and working. I love working, but I, 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 I started to drink. So right off the bat, I was in control for a, a, a year or so it seemed like, but it, I, I wasn't. But after that, I just started losing control and I just started to drink. That's all I lived for and worked. That's the kind of lifestyle I had. I just started. And people would talk about God. I wouldn't even go there. You know what I mean? And so our community struggled with alcohol and drugs a lot. Um, So remember I told you, like I told you when I was younger, I kind of pushed away our Native people. I didn't want anything to do with our Native people at one time in my life. And I just, because of what I was experiencing in my life. Because you what know, you were experiencing of not and, getting an and answer seeing, and seeing, yeah, constantly. And I was kind of like, cause I didn't know who to blame. So I started blaming our native people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you, you go inwards, it seemed because you don't really know God or you don't understand. And so you're kind of just thinking, uh, okay, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this or, or our people. I didn't want anything to do with that. And I just kind of shunned that. I didn't want to be a part of it. And that's just kind of how I felt. And I just tried to move on and uh, live the way I wanted to live. And uh, and that's when my life started to change. But it just got worse and worse uh, as I was, I was in this state of drinking. It started getting uh, out of control. I started uh, taking drugs with the alcohol. And so it started really taking a toll on on my body, on my mind, upon my life. I was just like malnutritioned because of the the drug intake and the alcohol and the lack of eating right and just malnutritioned and everything. So that's kind of what happened. It was like it just got worse and worse. And then um, um, it's it's going to lead up to what's happening in our community. Um, 
Now, this is in, uh, in 98. I'm a guy that worked with a medical taxi company before, okay? And I worked with other jobs as well. And I was the guy that was bringing some of the alcohol into the community. So what's medical taxi? What does that mean? You're taking medical people? Taxi, because there's no, there's no hospitals in northern Saskatchewan. Right. Big ones that they do in uh, Laurent. There's one nice size one in La Ronge and Prince Albert and Saskatoon. So you have when they have, people have serious problems, you have to bring them out to the city to come and be diagnosed by doctors and whatnot. So I have to drive up and bring passengers five, sometimes four, sometimes three, sometimes one. So I did that uh, since I left high school. Okay. And I, as I was doing that, I was. Um, uh, taking alcohol and even drinking when I was bringing people out of the community when I did that. So yeah, that's how bad it was going. And so you were bringing stuff into the community when you bring these, bring people back. Yeah. So I wasn't helping the medical field anyways. Oh, not really. (laughs) As well. I was like, um, there would be questioned by the, the, the bosses and stuff and I would deny it, but, and, uh, I would still do it. Uh, because of the lifestyle was so it was getting stronger and stronger to live that uh, life of uh, alcohol and drugs. And so I was doing a bit of that, uh, quite a bit of that. And just, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And it just got worse at this time at 98. But now in 98, uh, there was tent meetings coming into the community. There was a, people bringing in tent meetings and reaching out into the north to try to bring the gospel into the community. And finally, it started to succeed. But people are for, from a distance looking at this tent and thinking something's wrong with this tent. <laughs> you know, because our our our, our, our because we we heard Christian, we said something is wrong with them. So don't go close to them, kind of thing, eh? Because of the mindsets. But even yeah. though the Catholicism of the community is Christian. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or did the community look at it as separate? It's like you had your church separate. and then these Christians were coming it, in. It, they... was separate. It, it, it was separate. Yeah. It was separate. You don't uh, associate with Christians. Hmm. It was a little divided. It was divided. Yeah. And so that's kind of what we, we lived with. We, so they weren't, they had a hard time bringing the gospel in. Basically, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> but it started coming in in 98. And so the meetings came and started. So one by one, people, there's a handful of people of, in our community started to change. Like there was two or three, there was one or two. And they were kind of um, outcasted when this happened. Okay. Like, um, they were deemed as no, no, nobody. You were like isolated out when you, when you, when you, uh, give your heart to Jesus. One of them was my sister. And I seen it with my own eyes. They, because she would like, uh, she would be there. We'd be all getting ready to go to Catholic church. My sister says, I'm not going, but she would be visiting, right? She's, uh, about three years older than me. She went to university and stuff like that. But, her life changed uh, drastically in 92 as well. And she encountered and she would witness to me, but I would be drinking. Remember the medical taxi I was coming to Saskatoon? Yeah. She would be going to university here in Saskatoon. I would come in see her and she would tell me about Jesus. And I didn't want to hear anything about Jesus or gospel or Christianity, or she would always minister to me. 
Yeah, so that's kind of like what's along the line. That's what was happening in this. And it, my life was getting worse, but I was doing the medical taxi trips and I was still bringing alcohol, trying to listen to my sister. My sister would uh, keep ministering to me. And she would go through the things that she went through and she would like be outcasted. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we wouldn't look at her like when we were leaving, like she, something's wrong with her because she's not coming to the Catholic church. And she really butt heads with uh, uh, the Catholic people because they say, "Why aren't you? Why aren't you going?" You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of along the lines what was happening at that time. So she came to faith in the community, but then moved out because she went to school and all that. Well, no, she married a police officer, and they both got saved. They were in another community, northern community, and he was working. Okay, she got saved in '92. And I was in school this this time when she got saved. And she was really witnessing to me. But the thing is, brother, you know what? She said of all my brothers, I had eight brothers and one sister <laughs> in my family. She said, Wade, Wade, I thought Wade, Wade would be the least, would be would would be the would be the he's the worst person. It would be the hardest for him to come to the Lord. <laughs> that was from her mouth. Uh, because she would witness to me and I would kind of shut it down. Eh? I wouldn't carry the conversation. And uh, she thought I would be the last one to get saved in my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, behold, uh, behold, lo and behold, I got saved first. <laughs> yeah. And friends listening, that's that's even more funny when you hear the end of this because Wade is just a fireball for the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. So what, so she kept ministering to you and, and uh, so take us through to what happened. What happened for you? What was the moment or leading up to it where, where it became real for you? My friends, a lot of my friends started, uh, this is really cool because I know you like music. Yeah, this is a really cool story. This is a band called Who's Playing, and I used to travel with them because I partied hard and I worked hard. So I partied and I partied and I traveled wherever these guys went. It was a it was a secular band. They played tragically hip all the way to Ed Zeppelin, everything. They were like right to the T. They could play tragically hip. The guy that sang the song sang it to the T. Everybody thought it was the real band wow. that would play whatever song that they played. It was amazing. So we traveled all over with them. And the thing was, in 98, remember those tents I was telling you? We were mocking Christianity, and I was too. But anyways, the lead singer, uh, and that was one of my close friends, was the lead singer of that band, was mocking him, and he had a a fifth of whiskey in his hand, maybe a half a whiskey, and he went to the the tent to mock Christianity. And he walked in, and he didn't come back out. Something powerful happened to him because he was going to a mock Christianity. He had a half a bottle of whiskey in his and he never came out. And one by one, things started to change. And this band was called Who's Playing? And they were, they could play to the T. It was amazing. And one by one, the band members started getting saved. First, the lead guitar, uh, no, uh, the, the, the lead singer. He didn't play guitar, but he's the lead singer. Then right after that, the lead singer led the guitarist, lead guitar player. He's one of the best guitar players in Saskatchewan, I believe. He got saved. (laughs) 
And then the the the, the guitar player led the the drummer because they were friends. Led them to the Lord. One by one, they started getting saved. And it was crazy. And I'm thinking, what's going on in our community? And this is 98. It started hitting in in 99. And I started seeing people's lives change in the community. And it was just like, oh, my, I can't believe this guy's carrying a Bible. I was thinking, this guy's carrying a Bible. Because I was wearing a medical taxi, uh, driving a medical taxi uh, to Saskatoon one time. And there was, I had to pick up four passengers. And they all had Bibles. And this is what they said. I don't remember this, but and I and I turned around when they all walked in and they sat down and they were ready to leave the community. And I looked back at them and I said, "So you're one of those." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said to them because they were carrying their Bibles. I just called them one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I said this started happening in our community, and I kind of didn't want nothing to do with it. Can't be because. Cause I was still bringing alcohol in. Right. And so, but anyways, revivals, just, it just broke out. But now here's my story in 99, June 6th. I was in the, well, it's June 5th. I was in invited to this cabaret and it's an hour away from our community. Okay. And I was drinking and doing drugs, cocaine, alcohol. And I was coming home that night from this cabaret an hour away from our community. And I heard a voice, Todd, speak to me in my language. And he said, Wait, what he said was, Wait, put your seatbelt on. And I said, Who? What is this person? Who is this person <laughs> speaking to me in my language? But the people that were witnessing in this vehicle, there was four of us. I was moving around in the vehicle. They said, I don't remember that, but they said that you feel that you were agitated. But I kept hearing this voice. Over and over. I was just like urgent. There was an urgency an urgency, and I kept hearing this voice. It was about five minutes. They said he wouldn't stop moving, and all of a sudden, five minutes into the drive, coming home, I shot up out of the my chair. I grabbed the seatbelt. And because we're in a gravel road, because remember that hour gravel road? That was that, was that place. I, was, I tried to put the seatbelt on, but it kept getting stuck because of the bouncing, right? And finally, I got it far enough, they said. The witnesses told me this. And they were laughing at me because they thought it was being foolish, how I was acting, how I was irritated, how I was fidgety. I was hearing this voice in English and in Cree. English and in Cree. Put your seatbelt on. The cops are going to get you. Put it on now. Because I worked in a me- medical taxi uh, services, so I knew what to put my seatbelt. I automatically do that. But I passed out because of the alcohol consumption I drank for almost two days straight at this time and took uh, drugs, all kinds of drugs coming home. And finally I got the seatbelt far enough, swung over and I clapped it. They said, Wade, you fell back onto your chair like, like this, never moved again. Were you driving? No, I was, oh. I was on the passenger <laughs> side. There was two in the back, one in the, the driver. Okay. And then uh, 15 minutes later, my friend, the truck flipped. The truck flipped 15 minutes later, right after I put the seatbelt on. 
Wow. The truck flipped and my friend got sucked out of my, my best friend got sucked out of the vehicle and went on top of her. On that rollover, I came to, but I was knocked out because of the glass. I hit the glass. I got knocked out and, and I was unconscious for about, I don't know how many minutes, about 15, 20 minutes, maybe. And then I put the seatbelt on, took the seatbelt off. I hit the roof because I smelled gas on the truck. And all I remember is in movies that I used to watch, gas truck is going to blow, right? So I come running, I come scurrying out. I hit the, wind, the roof of the vehicle and I got glass on my head. And blood was coming down my head after I come and running out of the vehicle. And I, I, I touched my friend's leg coming out of the vehicle. And I was in shock because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know for about five, six minutes. I didn't know what was taking place. Here was my best friend pinned under a truck. Two of my friends, other people came eventually and tried to lift the truck, but we couldn't. But I was still in shock. I couldn't, but I was asking who the person was under the vehicle. And they said, what are you asking? This is your friend. Why are you asking that? And I couldn't, man, I couldn't believe it. It's like, since the time I took the alcohol in high school and it just spiraled down right to this, this time in my life. And I didn't have no friends. This person that I was with, that was was my best friend. That's the only person that ever believed in me. And I lost her. Mm. And so I was thinking my life got worse. Like I was in shock. I came out of it and I'm just trying to figure out life. What is life all about? But I was just like, I was just distraught. And then I tried to quit alcohol and drugs after this situation, but I couldn't. I didn't. I only lasted four weeks. I started again and I kept on going. Now, Let's now I'm starting now our community starting to experience revival already at this time. There's tent meetings starting to take place. They were bringing in tent meetings and the house meetings in our community. House meetings were happening. Like people were kind of sharing Jesus and whatnot, but I still wouldn't have none of it. I would be drinking in a parties and I would be mocking Christianity. And I said, okay, how can this be? I went to, I look for God all my life. Remember I just shared with you that yeah. all my life. I looked for God and I said, how can these people with Bibles walking around, um, go to church and go to prayer meetings and Bible studies. How, how can they say there is, there is a God, there is no God. And that must be boring. Going to church must be boring to go must be boring. And I'm, and, and I'm going through this whole process in 1999 because I was frustrated. Now, this is where the big turning point in. In January of 17th of 2000, I got into another accident, but this time I was driving. I was intoxicated. Um, cocaine again. I took cocaine and I know it very clearly. Then I, I drank for another two days this time. And I was going to go for a, a booze run that morning at about 7, 8 o'clock or something like that. And I, my, my foot in the pedal was like digging into the, into the gas. Like I was playing with the gas for some stupid reason at that time. And all of a sudden I hit black ice. And all of a sudden everything went slow motion. And I, there was an oncoming truck 
a four by four old truck. I was coming right at it with a van that I was driving. And I said, now what's going to happen in my life? That's what I exactly thought in my mind. And I hit it head on. And then people that my friends told me to leave, if you ever get into an accident. So I tried to run in the scene, from the scene of the crime. I got caught a few blocks away and I got handcuffed, but I just gave up and I just turned over. And I went to jail. I was the first time I, I stayed that many days in, the, in a remand. And I was in the front page news in 2000 in January 17th, a uh, person hitting another vehicle. And I was in remand waiting for the results of the people that I hit. And uh, and I know I'm kind of going too long on the testimony, but um, I ended up losing my license. I ended up losing everything, my friend. Like, I ended up losing everything that, that, that time. I fought it in court. This, what, this happened in January and in February, March, April, May. I fought it. But revival was breaking out in my community at this time. Tents were coming, people were getting touched. And um and then I encountered uh um I had to in April I had to give my, my license back to the judge in April of, of two thousand. And now I lost everything. I lost my job, so I didn't have nothing to so I didn't care about myself. Maybe there's a person that's listening to me that's not caring about what happens to them or what's happening in their in their lives. And that's how I felt. I felt hopeless. Um, nothing was going for me in my life. What's the use even living? Like I didn't care if I got caught by the police. So I went and I ended up losing it, handing my license. And then I still kept on. And there, I got, I got a um, conditional, you know, the, the six months conditional. Uh, and 21 months probation. Um, if I got caught anywhere in front of alcohol consumptions, I would be taken to remand for one year. That's what the judge said. And I didn't care. I still did it. I still carried the alcohol down the main street, street of Pine House Lake. And I didn't care if I got caught or not. By the grace of God, I didn't. The cops weren't <laughs> in, the, in that part of the area when I was doing all those things. And, uh, and then my friends started approaching me the band that was the who's playing band one by one the leader and the drummer came to me and witnessed to me and i told i could tell there's something different about them you could i could feel something coming off of them they were like happy they were rejoicing and they were telling me about the lord and i said can it be real i said i looked for him all my life and they said in their on our language what that means is real it's real it's real and uh Astam, they said, and say, come listen to this man um, that's sharing. And it really intrigued me. And I felt this pull inside me. And I felt like something was taking place within me, my life that could have gotten my way, my license, my, my lifestyle just got taken out of the way. And that day I was just meeting and encountering people sharing to me about Jesus. And this was in May 18th. And I was sick, hungover, hopeless, in pain, um, no job, no license, nothing. Got kicked out of the house of where I lived. I had nothing going for me. Now, I was in that 
when I was at the restaurant, I was at meeting the guys and I was so intrigued because they were telling me their story. And I just started feeling this well of hope in me. And I said, you know what interested me, Todd? I heard a story of a guy dying and coming back alive. That's why I came to Christianity. Come on. But you'll hear it here. This guy was telling me the testimony and he, and he died. He was in the, they were having a, a wake in his house. And he, he got, he, <laughs> the pastor that, that, that died and woke up again, he's going to be ministering tonight. And I said, really? <laughs> he's been ministering. And this guy had ministered to us. He said he died for two days and he came back to life. And that intrigued me. And I said, that's not religion, religious. I said, this is, that's, that's something different, I thought. And so now when I'm that night, I said, I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'm going to come to the meeting. My last $20 thought, I went to my last meal at the restaurant. <laughs> I was in the flesh. <laughs> I went to go and eat there just thinking about my life. And I said, I'm going to go to that tent meeting, whatever that, that's there, I'm going to go and get. And I'm eating there and I'm just getting excited that something is happening. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I was sick. I was hopeless. I was in pain. But I knew there was something there. And I couldn't wait to get to the meeting that night. And I felt something fighting me, but at the same time, there's something drawing me. <laughs> I could feel it. There was a fight in me that didn't want to go, but yet there was something pulling me to go. But I felt this overwhelming thing just around me. Even at that supper time, that day, the people were witnessing to me. Remember I told you it was coming off of them? Yeah. <laughs> it was all over me. Amen. This, drawing me to the tent. And I'm thinking, what is, what I can't understand, what's happening to me? And then I walked in, kid you not. This guy that, I used to work medical taxi, and I used to shut him off, because 9 o'clock we have a gospel hour in Pine House, okay, at 9 o'clock in the morning. I used to shut him off. I says, I don't want to, I don't want to hear this. I used to shut him off every time, 9 o'clock, when I'm taken off to Saskatoon, Prince Albert, and doing the, the usual work that I did. And I remember his voice. I was outside this big tent meeting that was happening. I'm about to go in. This is May 6th. This is May 18th. And I heard that same voice that I used to shut off on the radio. He was the one they recorded praying for us. And I got to go and hear this man, I said. So I walked right in. I kid you not, Todd. When I walked in, I walked right into the Holy Ghost. I know now. But I didn't know what it was before. I walked in and I said, what is this? I started just tears. Nobody talked to me. Nobody told me anything. I didn't hear anything. Wow. I just started to weep, Todd. I was standing there and I was just like overwhelmed by this, this love. Todd, I never felt this love ever in my life. And I started to feel this overwhelming love. And it started to hit me. I started just weeping. Through the whole day, I wept. I went to go hide in the corner of that tent meeting. So I didn't want anybody to see me because I was just drenched my shirt was wet because of the tears because i was i was sensing god's love so strong really strong it was just and and i then i heard and i was there i heard a voice thought when i was sitting there i heard a voice and he spoke to me not just in english he spoke to me in cree and i said that was you that was you I, rene- I knew right away because it was in the car, 99, when I heard that voice before, told me to put the seatbelt on before the accident. That was you, I said. 
And the man of God was sharing, and he was sharing his testimony. And I was looking at him. I could just see as he was sharing his testimony, I could see like a, it's, it was like that I could see the story with my like with my eyes unveiling, like he, when he was sharing the story, I could see exactly what was taking place. It's like the word of your testimony and the blood of the lamb, he will overcome the enemy, right? And so that one was happening to me. I was so drawn and I couldn't wait to get to the, to the, to the, to the thing. And you know, before I go on, remember the, the band who was playing? Yeah. One by one, they got all saved. Remember? Yeah. The guy that I chased all over the country because I was drinking and drinking <laughs> drugs. Okay. They all got saved. The band that was playing, who's playing, became in that tent meeting, who's praying. <laughs> That's the name of the band afterwards because they all converted. <laughs> and they who's, who's praying? Wow, it's powerful. But anyways, when they sang, they sang like the anointing of the presence and the power of God was so strong in that place. People were weeping and I was weeping. I was like uncontrollably like the love of God was just took over me. And I just was so overwhelmed by the presence of God. And it was so amazing. And I, was, I just wanted to get up there. And so they called an altar call and I just booked it as fast as I could to the altar. There was already 14 people that beat me to the, to the, to the, to the pulpit. And I was about the 15, 16. I didn't make it to the pulpit. Remember that, 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 that I was feeling around me yeah. came into me. <laughs> the, that power hit me right. And when I was up to the, I was about 10 feet away from the, the altar. I hit the ground on the, and right in the, this tent where they made a tent, it's it wasn't a real tent. It was a tarp house because the tent was taken away when the revival broke out. But they wanted to keep it going, so they made their own house wow. and then put tarps over it. That's where this had radically went crazy. It's just amazing. So I went running up through the chairs, Todd, and I hit. I, I was going through the chairs. I was I was knocking chairs to get to the front. But I, that power hit me, and I went under the power of God, like and and hit, I bit the dust, and I was just like overwhelmed by the presence, and the, I just wept and started to cry out loud. I didn't care who saw me. I didn't. I said, I, I got to get to this this Jesus. <laughs> I knew I got to get to this Jesus. I'm thinking, and when I hit the ground, I really bit the dust because the dust went flying everywhere because it was in the hockey rink where they built his house. It was just straight sand. So I bit the dust and the and the preacher, the Holy Spirit spoke to the man of God to come and see me when I was in the ground over there. And all of a sudden I felt a hand come over my shoulder and he said, My son, you want to receive Jesus into and I got yes. And I was feeling and I was saying, Yes. Yeah. And then things started to I just felt something change within me. I felt this power just overtake my whole body. Wow. <laughs> it was really amazing. And um yeah, and then Right there, it, my life was ever changed. He touched me so powerfully, and I couldn't, I just couldn't get enough. I just wept. You know, Todd, I, it started that, that, that night. That was 724 that, that happened. I knew exactly the time I gave my heart to Jesus, May 18, 2000, 724. That's when exactly. Wow. Because <laughs> we're talking to people afterwards, and then they, the timing of that, I just found out. And, um, when I got when I got up, I wasn't the same person. 
and I realized there was a God. <laughs> All my life that I looked for God, and since I was young, I found him. <laughs> I look, I, I looked for him in this, and I looked for him in this. I looked for every spiritual avenue that you could ever look for in all in all my life I looked for I couldn't find it but I found him that day and I realized I could have a relationship and I know my that hopelessness I had turned to hope the 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 recklessness I had uh, and everything else uh, I had peace and then all of a sudden the the bitterness the lifestyle I I had changed and it turned into joy <laughs> all these things started to happen like I just just the excitement, but thought I, 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 I wept for three days in the presence of God wow. because I knew what he saved me from. I realized that Jesus came on the cross, but he was no longer on the cross. That's the revelation I got when um, I was sitting in that tent and Jesus came off of the cross. He was no longer in a statue because that's all I ever thought he was. And he came off of that cross and he came to me and he spoke to me. And I realized that was him who saved me in that truck. That's who was about to change my life forever. That was twenty over 23 and a half years ago that this happened. And it's been such an amazing, amazing time that nobody told me to go and witness to people. <laughs> that night, brother, that night, I was so excited. I kept weeping and I'm just, the joy of the Lord was over, overtaking me. The peace of God was overtaking me. The love of God and unconditional agape love was just flowing out of me. And I said, I got to get give this to somebody. I went back to the party stock. Remember I said when I was drinking, when I was mocking Christianity, and I said, where are the Christians? Where are the Christians? And why aren't they coming to me right now <laughs> when I was in the party? You know what he said? The Holy Spirit told me to go. Go tell them. <laughs> and I went to all the parties and told them, okay, Wade has finally lost it. <laughs> Wade has finally lost it. He went to every place. They're phoning each other. I think Wade's on his way to your party. Where's the next party? I was saying, I'm not going to tell the rest of the other guys. And there were three-way calling, I think, because of me going to the next party, the next party, to go and tell them that there is there is hope in Jesus. And they said, Wade finally lost it. He's talking about Jesus now. And he was just passed out under the coffee table here a week and a half ago. And he's telling us about Jesus. And that happened. I didn't sleep for two days, Todd, because of the rush wow. that I felt. The power of God hit me as when I gave my heart to Jesus. Everything changed, and I realized that he was alive and he was well. <laughs> and when, when the man of God lifted up the Bible, when he had said this, he said this, come, receive Jesus into your life. When he lifted up the Bible like he always did, he became my spiritual father, by the way. He lifted up the Bible and he said, come and receive Jesus into your life. And, you know, I started, uh, I, I sat there and I, I got a revelation right away. The, the Old Testament was the father. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was the Son. And from the book of Acts to Revelation was the Holy Spirit. And that's what I was experiencing. Wow. That's the first revelation I got, and that ever changed my life. And I started telling people about Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Wade, were you, when this happened and you went to these parties, <clears throat> were you, uh, were you, did you begin to be ostracized by the community? Did they like re yeah, reject they, you? They, <laughs> yes. That, thanks. Thanks for it. Thanks for saying that one after the other, I started getting, um, 
One after the other, I started getting kicked out of houses. <laughs> <laughs> was my relationship was the first time I was living in common law, but I quit. I was living in common law relationship, but when I went, because she was taken to La Ranch for other stuff that was happening over there when all of this was taking place. But when she came back, that's why I stayed in the tent for three days because I was borderline kicked out, but yet I got born again. But she heard I was at the tent and then she came to get me. But at the same time, when I went home now, brother, this is the, this is the first place I got kicked out. <laughs> I started telling her, I'm like, I gave my heart to Jesus. He says, what's happened to you, Wade? What's happened to you? Everybody's saying that. What's happening to you, Wade? You're not, there's, there's something different about you. And they, I had to make a choice, brother. They said, she said, you choose me or Jesus. Wow. And then I said, I have to say Jesus and say, pack your stuff. And that's, I st- that's what started happening one after the other. But I was so, yet I was going through all this, but they had the joy and the peace of God's just was so strongly in me. And I then I got kicked out of my mom's because I confronted her regarding the scriptures of what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus had done in my life. And then she said, get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> then I went to a Christian friend and I was talking to her, but that person was contrary to the scriptures. And I confronted that person. He said, get out of my house <laughs> as well. But the thing was, when I walked out of that house, I felt the power and the joy of the Lord unspeakable, full of glory. My first revelation that came to me when I was going through this, they hated me, so they'll hate you. And I, when I felt that joy, the comfort of God's scriptures right away changed me. Like I was like, I got kicked out, but I felt the, it's like the disciples when they just finished getting beaten for the gospel's sake. <laughs> they rejoiced yeah. and they were merry and they were happy. And I realized why. <laughs> Because the, the, the joy doesn't come from the earth. The peace and the love doesn't come from the earth. It comes from God. Yeah. And I realized I was receiving this love and amazingly. And I was sharing that. So I was getting ostracized left and right. I got sworn at, but I still love the people. I don't even remember them swearing at me. A few years later, they came to apologize. I got ex- I did, This didn't break through because they didn't want nothing to do with me for a, a few years, but after two years, something broke. People started apologizing for what they had said to me because they had come against me, swore at me, but I was just getting more joy, <laughs> more peace, more love of God. It was it was really, really amazing. What about your sister? You must have uh, been excited oh, to tell no, your sister. That's Okay, that's really good. Now, it, it takes me, remember those ladies I said to those ladies, Remember I told I, I turned around and I said you're one of those? Yeah. Okay. Now my sister doesn't know I'm saved yet. She's coming on her way. There's a meeting happening in Pine House. And so I'm I'm standing in front of the meeting with my hands up in the air. And I was thanking the Lord. I don't know how many months after this. And those same four ladies came walking, came right up to me as I was had my hand up in the air. He said in, they said in my language, uh, I'll just say it in English. They said, so, you're one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, <laughs> yes, I am. And my sister was so amazed. 
Now, my sister came back that, that, that Sunday. Nobody told her. She was so amazed. She couldn't believe it. It was like <laughs> the gospel, um, uh, Apostle Paul and the, the, the disciples um, weren't sure about Paul when he converted, right? <laughs> they were so amazed because of what God did through his life. My sister couldn't believe that I got saved. And when I was standing up there, she had to come and see her for herself because when I had my hands up, she came to. <laughs> she came and gave me a hug. And she said, you gave your heart to Jesus. <laughs> she was just like amazing. Wow. Now the Lord showed me this before we, we even asked me about this podcast. The Lord showed me this. I was talking with her in my mom's living room and my, my life changed, okay? My mom had to go to LaRange from Pine House. And my sister and I were visiting. But it seemed that we were catching up. We, my mom went to LaRange, did all her stuff that she needed to do, and came back to the house where we were at because we we're visiting our mom. I was sitting there with my sister in the same position. My, 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 my mom almost fainted. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Why are you guys all sitting here still? You're in the same position. Because we were, caught, we were communing with the Lord and what God was doing. We sat there for eight hours. My mom could not believe it. Wow. So she knew something happened because even eight hours seemed like a half hour. So it was really amazing. So that's kind of like how that happened. Wow. <laughs> the power of the Holy Spirit, eh? Oh, wow. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really, really good. That's a really powerful, powerful story. And and the persistency of your sister, too, to keep sharing with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was uh, amazing. Um, Wade, I don't know what happened, but it's like, the, it's like we've been talking for two minutes, but the, the time, <laughs> the time yeah, has totally okay. whizzed by. But uh, just as you were talking and how rich your story is, Wade, we didn't get a chance to talk about your ministry. Um, would you come back on the show with your wife? Because yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear about how you got connected with your wife, how your ministry started. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, where you're ministering in all the communities in Saskatchewan and everywhere else. I'd love to hear the stories of what's going on with there. Oh, yes. I'd love that. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. We'll set that up. Um, but for today, bro, I have uh, just one more question for you. Um, I, I'm what what would you say um, as you're touring about? if you meet a young native kid and you see yourself questioning, or you know how you, you kept constantly saying, I oh, don't talk to me about it. Your, your sister wanted to share. Don't talk to me about it. People, you turn the radio off when the man was preaching and stuff. If you come across a native kid that you see was like you and you want to share with him, but he says, I don't want to talk about it. What would you say to him? I would actually just, uh, try to engage with him whatever way possible. Um, Kind of build a bridge as fast as you can when you're talking with them. Um, um, Connect with him in such a way that something that he knows about, that's the first thing I do. Then I talk to them. Or I've got, sometimes God gives me a word of knowledge and I speak to him and I tell, 
I tell him about something about his past and it, it, they just start to cry. <laughs> and sometimes he just listen to the Holy Spirit. If you're talking to somebody that doesn't know God or doesn't want God, just sit back, go back a few steps and say, Lord, what do you want me to say in this situation? And then I'll say either, is there an area in your life that you need healing? And that right there opens up. And can I pray for you for anything? That's another one. And sometimes the Holy Spirit shows me there's something wrong with her, his body or her body. You need prayer. And they'll say yes. And I'll pray for them. And then again, I'll ask them that question. Then they open up. It's amazing. But if you ask the Holy Spirit, then he shows you. He gives you that word of knowledge. He gives you something. Or you just say, can I just pray for you? At least that. At least that. And... Uh, majority of the time they open up and I said I, I've been there I usually say that I've been there where you've been I, I, I've been hurt I've been um, so far in life I did, gave up on life I usually start with that sometimes I usually I gave up on life um, I didn't know where to go there was nowhere to turn God came and get me just at the right time because I wouldn't be alive if I wasn't wasn't for God that's what I tell them and I really get their attention when they say that and and God wants to give you the same life he did for me amen amen that's awesome bro thanks so much for your time today really appreciated hearing your story amen. can't wait to have you and your bride on amen I'm looking forward to it see you soon brother all right <laughs> blessings <laughs>